الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد So this evening we continue looking at the uh, subject of what is knowledge in Islam, al-ilm Who are the scholars and how are they known? And in this series of talks so far we've looked at the basic definition and the basic meaning of knowledge and that is knowledge uh, that has come from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and from the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that knowledge which was understood by the sahaba by the companions from the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and it was and was passed on by them uh, what they understood and what they learnt, they passed it on to those after them. That is the uh, knowledge which is relied upon by the Muslims, by the people who follow the Quran and the Sunnah uh, truly and properly, by Ahlul Sunnati wal Jama'ah, and that which does not come from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ of opinions and innovations and philosophies and ideologies then this is not regarded as knowledge and as such if we want to recognize the ulama, the scholars then this must be part of uh, or it must be something that is considered and taken into account that the scholar is the, the true scholar the reliable scholar in uh, uh, amongst ahlus sunnati wal jama'ah is the scholar who has a lot of knowledge of the book of allah and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam according to the understanding of the sahaba the companions and those that followed their way and if someone is a philosopher or a thinker who does not take his knowledge from the book of Allah and the authentic sunnah of the Prophet and does not follow the way of the Salaf the way of the pious predecessors then he is not a scholar for Ahlul Sunnah, for the people of Sunnah, for the Sunni Muslims. He is not a scholar no matter how knowledgeable he is in any other field of knowledge or in any other type of thinking and ideology. So these series of talks have two goals, two principal aims. And, we, and it is hoped, inshallah ta'ala, that there will be two great benefits from the reminders that we're giving in these series of talks. The first is to understand what knowledge is. So we, so we can recognize the type of knowledge that we should seek. And, we, and, and the type of knowledge by which we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ourselves. And the second great benefit is to be able to recognize the legitimate, reliable scholars 
from whom knowledge is taken. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, فَاسْأَلُوا أَهْلَ الذِّكْرِ إِن كُنْتُمْ لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. So previously we looked at some of the texts from the Qur'an and the Sunnah as well as from the understanding of the pious predecessors, the Sahaba and those who came after them from As-Salafus Salih, the Imams, the great Imams, the great scholars who were leaders of the Muslims and leaders in knowledge and virtue. We looked at some of their statements that prove this point that knowledge is what is what is in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala principally and from the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that which was understood and believed and learnt and then taught by the companions the sahaba radiyallahu ta'ala anhum and we mentioned that in summary of this we have the statement of the Imam Al-Awza'i Rahimahullahu Ta'ala which can stand as a maxim and as a rule where he said Al-ilmu ma jaa'a an ashabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ma lam yaji' an ashabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam falaysa bi'ilm Knowledge is that which has come from the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and that which does not come from the companions of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam then it is not knowledge and likewise the imam the great scholar Sufyan ibn Uyayna rahimahullahu ta'ala said innama ad-din al-athar the religion is that which comes in the athar, in the narrations, in the knowledge which is passed down. When we say athar, when we say al-athar, what is meant is the knowledge which is passed down from the time of the Prophet ﷺ to the next generation, the Sahaba and then the Tabi'een, that knowledge which is inherited and passed down through transmission, through chain of transmission. This is what is meant by Al-Athar. And that includes everything that is in the Qur'an and in the authentic Sunnah and in the statements and understanding of the Sahaba and then those who followed them and who understood and took from them. That knowledge which has passed down, which has this description this is what is known as al-athar the knowledge which is traced and passed down and likewise there are many many statements affirming and establishing this important point about what constitutes knowledge the great imam also al-sha'bi rahimahullahu ta'ala who died approximately in the year 106 after the Hijrah, who, who took his knowledge and narrated from the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's from the Tabi'een. He also mentioned this principle in a very explicit way. He said, 
as is reported from him uh, in various collections of hadith or narration. He said, Rahimahullah, Ma haddathuka an ashabi Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam fa khuthbihi wa ma qalu fihi bi ra'yihim fa bul alayhi. He said, Rahimahullah, what they narrate to you from the companions of Allah's Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then take it. And what they say from their own opinion, then urinate on it. Meaning, disregard it. And this issue of ar-ra'i, of opinion, people's opinions that contradict or that are not based upon the wahi, the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this issue of opinion and the fact that opinion is not from knowledge will come up shortly insha'Allah ta'ala. And that is because when you want to know something and understand it, then one of the things that helps us to understand and truly conceptualize a topic, a subject, is to know its opposite. And there are a number of things that do not meet this condition or do not meet the conditions and do not have the qualities of what we said is knowledge. And they are those ideologies and philosophies and the method of thinking and of deriving uh, concepts which is not based, all of which are not based on the book and the sunnah and were innovated and introduced into the religion after the Sahaba. And this is an important uh, also an important rule if knowledge is what has come to us from the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam as has been proven then that which is not come from them is not knowledge and it cannot benefit us in the religion and it cannot benefit us in the religion because it is in opposition and it contradicts that which is in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in fact those philosophies and ideologies and those methodologies that were introduced into the Ummah, into the, into the intellect, intellectual activities of the Ummah, the Muslims that was the cause of the great fitan, trials and tribulations and schisms and splitting and misguidance that afflicted many after the time of the Salaf or after the time of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And in this regard, the great scholar Al-Shaykh Al-Imam Ibn Rajab Rahimahullah Ta'ala He lays down this principle About that which opposes And that which contradicts knowledge He said وَأَمَّا مَا أُحْدِثَ بَعْدَ الصَّحَابَةِ مِنَ الْعُلُومِ 
التي توسع فيها أهلها وسموها علوماً وظنوا أن من لم يكن عالماً بها فهو جاهل أو ضال فكلها بدعة وهي من المحدثات أو وهي من محدثات الأمور المنهية عنها He said رحمه الله and everything that was introduced innovated after the Sahaba after the companions from the various sciences or the various disciplines which the people expanded the people who followed that expanded upon and called knowledge and they thought that whoever is not knowledgeable of these things then he's an ignorant or that he's astray and misguided then all of that is bid'ah all of that is bid'ah and it is the newly introduced matters that have been forbidden meaning referring to the statement of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam wa iyyakum wa muhdathatil umur fa inna kulla muhdathatin bid'ah wa kulla bid'atin dalalah the Prophet said in the hadith which you all know and beware be on guard against everything that is newly introduced into the religion everything newly introduced is a bid'ah is an innovation in religion and every innovation is misguidance and misguidance leads to the fire so Ibn Rajab says every type of philosophy and knowledge and thinking and methodology which was introduced after the Sahaba then that uh, uh, into the religion then that is all bid'ah and it's all forbidden and as we said things are known by their opposites so if you want to know knowledge, if you want to know what knowledge is and what correct beneficial knowledge is, al-ilmun nafi', because what concerns us as Muslims is that we want to know what beneficial knowledge is, al-ilmun nafi'. This is what the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam called to, and this is what he asked Allah subhanahu wa taala for. Allahumma inni as'aluka ilman nafi'a. Oh Allah, I ask you for beneficial knowledge. So if we want to know what beneficial knowledge is and we want to know what true knowledge is then we know that it is what has come in the Quran and in the Sunnah according to the understanding of the Sahaba and we would also do well to know what beneficial knowledge is not and what does not constitute knowledge because those things which have been innovated into the religion after the Sahaba they are the cause of great evil they are the cause of kufr and shirk to enter into the intellectual activities of this ummah. They are the cause of misguidance and splitting furqa. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded us to adhere to his way and to adhere to his rope, which is the Quran and the Sunnah. And he forbade us from splitting into sects and the cause of that splitting and the cause of those sects is that which was innovated that which was introduced after the sahaba and that which the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not believe in 
and did not follow. And so Ibn Rajab, rahimahullah, mentions some of the things, some examples, some principal examples of the types of knowledge or philosophy and ideology that were innovated after saying that everything that was innovated, introduced after the Sahaba, all of this is bid'ah, is innovation in religion, and it's not from the beneficial knowledge, and it is all forbidden. Because the Prophet ﷺ forbade everything that is innovated into the religion, and it, which is not based upon the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So he lists those things and we want to consider some of those things as part of our understanding of what knowledge is and what knowledge isn't. So he mentions five things that were innovated which were the cause of the intellectual problems in theology, in the belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in believing in the unseen, in believing in the things that we should have iman in as commanded in the Quran and Sunnah and as we're informed of in the Qur'an and the Sunnah and that which caused people to go astray not only in their knowledge and in their beliefs but also in their actions and in the way they dealt with the Sharia, the law of Islam and the Ahkam, the rules and regulations that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed, the Halal and the Haram as well as how people dealt with the, the issue of their hearts and their souls and purifying their souls and worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inwardly and outwardly. All of these areas, these very important and very serious areas of the religion, all of them have been affected by the innovations in knowledge and in philosophy and ideology which were introduced after the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. From them, as Ibn Rajab mentions in his very beneficial book, Fadlu Bayan, Fadlu Ilm salaf ala Ilm al-Khalaf. He has a work in which he mentions the, uh, the words which I just quoted from him and he goes on to show what beneficial knowledge is and what beneficial knowledge is not and what is the type of knowledge which harms and causes uh, deviation and misguidance and he lists five things and he goes into detail on them and I'm summarizing what he mentions so from amongst those innovated types of knowledge and discussion and, and, and uh, ideology and philosophy, he says, مَا أَحْدَثَهُ الْمُعْتَزِلَ مِنَ الْكَلَامِ فِي الْقَدْرِ وَمَا أَحْدَثَهُ الْمُعْتَزِلَ وَمَنْ حَذَا حَذْوَهُمْ مِنَ الْكَلَامِ فِي ذَاتِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَصِفَاتِهِ بِأَدِلَّةِ الْعُقُولِ So uh, a couple of innovated forms of knowledge or what people call knowledge which goes against that which is in the Quran and the Sunnah is that which the Mu'tazila sect and those who followed their way what they introduced and what they innovated of Al-Kalam talking and speaking about the Qadr the pre-decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about Allah himself and his names and his sifat, his attributes and how we know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this is known as Al-Kalam Al-Kalam essentially was the method 
of speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, speaking about theological issues, and speaking about metaphysical issues and the issues of the unseen, al-ghayb, which we have been told to believe in, in the Qur'an and the Sunnah, speaking about those matters and affirming or negating things about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and attributes based upon principles and ideas which were borrowed from the unbelievers, the philosophers of old from India and from the Greek tradition. And the origin of this is that there were a group of people who, who, who raised their heads after the time of the Sahaba and in fact the beginning of it started towards the end of the era of the Sahaba when certain people arose who tried to speak about Allah's pre-decree they tried to deal with this issue of Al-Qadr pre-decree and they tried to deal with the issue after them there emerged people who tried to speak about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and attributes. And the origin of this is that these people tried to argue with the atheists. They tried to argue and tried to defeat the philosophers who were atheists. Those, those group of philosophers from the Greek tradition and from the Indian tradition and in that region of the world those of them who were atheists who did not believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Dahriya those who said who didn't believe in Allah and they said we are only destroyed by time it is only time that destroys us and that kills us so some people, instead of taking their knowledge and taking their beliefs and taking their guidance from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the sunnah of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and instead of learning these matters from the sahaba, from the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the knowledge which came down from them then they start, instead of doing this, they, tr they attempted to defeat the atheists and to try to prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence as if it needed proving. They tried to prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence and tried to defeat the atheist philosophers by using this kalam, what came to be known as al-kalam. And this they did by taking their ideas and by following a methodology which they invented by mixing the, uh, the philosophies that were taken from the kuffar and the principles and the rules and the ideas that philosophers had amongst the unbelievers of the past and they tried to mix that up with uh, you know using verses from the quran and and, and interpreting the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam to one extent or another. Some of them uh, used the Qur'an and the Sunnah more and some of them less. Some, some of them used what they claimed to be the intellect more and some of them less. But all of them basically had this methodology. 
of trying to intellectually to use the aql to use the intellect to try to prove Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to try to defeat the atheist philosophers and this led this led them to uh, great misguidance because they did not rely upon the the correct understanding of the Quran and the sunnah they relied upon philosophy and logic and and these type of faulty ideologies that are that are that are from the very enemies of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they were trying to defeat so they tried to do this and they ended up with this kalam and this resulted in them uh, negating and denying some or all of the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and this kalam and the varying degrees into which these sects and these people fell into misguidance this resulted in these sects called Al-Mu'tazila Wal-Jahmiyyah and then after them those who tried to argue with them on based on their own rules and based on the same so-called intellectual basis from Al-Kullabiyyah Wal-Ashā'ira the Ashā'ira, the Ash'aris and the Maturidiyyah and these sects some of them begot each other they came from each other and they tried to refute each other and all of them innovated and went astray to one degree or another in regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaking about Allah and speaking about Al-Qadr speaking about Allah and his names and attributes and speaking about the pre-decree of Allah and trying to get their heads around this so this is one of the things or these are two of the things speaking about Qadr and speaking about Allah and his names and attributes based upon so-called intellectual arguments which are in fact taken from the unbelievers taken from the kuffar philosophers and taken from Greek logic flawed Greek logic and so on and this these are two of the areas that are not regarded as knowledge Ilmul Kalam, that which is called knowledge of Al Kalam is not knowledge. It is not knowledge which is, it is not allowed for a person to study or to take his religion or take his theology, his belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from Ilmul Kalam. It is one of the most forbidden types of so called knowledge. And it is this, it, is the, it is a bridge to kufr and shirk because it led those sects to some degree or another it led some of those sects like the Jahmiyyah and the Qadariyyah to say things about Allah which are kufr and shirk like denying Qadr denying pre-decree or denying that Allah knows everything and knew everything or denying the names and attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and disbelieving in the verses of the Quran and the ahadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam which tell us about Allah which describe Allah whereas, whereas as you know the correct way to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to believe in these things is to affirm that which is in the Quran and to learn from the Quran 
and from the Sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam as the earliest Muslims, the Sahaba, as they believed and as the Tabi'een, as those who followed them and who studied with them, as they believed and as they understood the Quran and the Sunnah. As Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said in the Quran about the Sahaba, about the believers who were there with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the rest of the people, the kuffar, the Jews and the Christians and everyone else, فَإِنْ آمَنُوا بِمِثْلِ مَا آمَنْتُمْ بِهِ فَقَدِ اِهْتَدَوْا If they, those disbelievers, the Jews, the Christians, the mushrikeen, all other people, if they believe as you believe, you people who are with the Prophet if they believe, if the others believe as you believe, then they are guided. This is what Allah said in the Qur'an. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Qur'an. And so the people of Sunnah have no problems. Those who follow and who believe in what has come from the Qur'an and the Sunnah, they have no problems in these areas. They believe in Allah as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us about himself. And this is the, this is the way to believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as described by the scholars with regards to Allah's names and attributes and the description of Allah, then the way to believe in that is we believe in what Allah described himself as in the Quran. We believe in what the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam described Allah with in his authentic, in his Sunnah, without denying any of the meanings of these descriptions. And without uh, misinterpreting and misrepresenting any of those meanings. And without asking about the nature of how these things are. Because we don't know. We don't see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we don't know in this life. And without likening Allah to his creation. And all of this is based upon what is in the Qur'an as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in that ayah لَيْسَ كَمِثْلِهِ شَيْءٌ وَهُوَ السَّمِيعُ الْبَصِيرُ وَهُوَ سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ There is nothing like Allah There is nothing like Allah and He is the hearing, the seeing So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an he clearly told us that there's nothing like Allah. There's no reason and there's no justification for trying to liken Allah to his creation or to make any of his creation similar to Allah and to believe that there's this similarity or there's some kind of tashbih and tamthil. There's some kind of equivalence between Allah and his creation. And at the same time, just... At the same time, although there is nothing like Allah, we know that Allah has attributes and qualities, the meaning of which we can understand, but the nature, the exact kayfiyah, 
the howness, the modality of which we do not know. وَهُوَ سَمِيعٌ بَصِيرٌ He is the hearing and the seeing, all seeing. So Allah, Allah affirmed for himself in the Qur'an attributes of hearing and seeing, of knowledge and mercy and love and anger. And all of those things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described himself with in the Qur'an and the Muslims had no problem with these and had no issues with accepting these things until these mubtadi'ah, these innovators came along with ilmul kalam and they started to cause doubts and they started to try to deny some of these things and as I said the reasons that they they formulated these innovative ideas and they tried to they basically forced themselves into a corner they forced themselves into a corner because they followed their desires and their opinions uh, against the book of Allah and against the knowledge of the Sahaba and the Tabi'een they forced themselves into, uh, themselves into a corner so that in order to preserve their arguments for the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which they thought were intellectual arguments they forced themselves to deny that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has certain attributes or deny all of the attributes of Allah because according to their faulty logic and their faulty reasoning affirming attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like having uh, you know that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has these attributes that he uh, hears and he sees and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala rose above his arsh he rose above his throne and so on and that Allah speaks whenever he wants and with whatever he wants Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks all of these attributes which are mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah according to their faulty logic and their faulty um, you know methodology Affirming these attributes without trying to explain them away would mean that they would have to abandon their arguments for the existence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because they tried to arrive at these arguments for approving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's existence to the atheists uh, by, uh, by playing gymnastics with, the, with logic and the intellect and, and guessing things and speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge in a way which contradicted and conflicted with what is in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah and what the Sahaba, the companions believed in, what they took from the Prophet So these are some of the areas that are not regarded as knowledge. Some of the things which are not regarded as knowledge, which the people who follow those ideologies, they regard them as knowledge. And in fact, those sects, and the leaders of those sects, they regard anyone who doesn't know this kalam, they regard them as ignorant. Likewise, from those things which were innovated, which Ibn Rajab lists here as being innovated after the Sahaba and which are not from beneficial knowledge, is the, the principles, the qawaid, the principles and uh, rules, intellectual principles and rules that the jurists, the fuqaha, who were known as Ahlul Ra'i, the people of opinion, the followers of opinion, the jurists who innovated and introduced principles into the area of al-fiqh, 
into the area of understanding Allah's commandments and the halal and the haram. In this area, there were also a group of people who started to use intellectual arguments and principles which they formulated themselves to decide on issues of fiqh and halal and haram. And in this way, they contradicted many texts from the Quran and the Sunnah and many ahkam, many commandments and rules and regulations which were established from the book and the Sunnah but which these so-called jurists uh, did not agree with uh, because their intellect and their opinion, the principles that they made up, then it contradicted their reasoning. And so they would give preference to their qawaid, their principles and their reasoning to the text of the Qur'an and the Sunnah. This is also an innovative form of knowledge or scholarship which is not accepted and which is not legitimate in Islam. Likewise, Ibn Rajab mentions Al-Jidal wal-Khisam wal-Mira' fi masail al-Halal wal-Haram Argumentation and disputation in the issues of the religion, the issues of the law of Halal and Haram. This is also another area related to the previous one which uh, it, which the scholars of the Salaf rebuked and which they spoke against and they did not regard this as authentic, reliable knowledge. And likewise, finally, he mentions also Al-Kalam speaking about inner knowledge and actions of the heart and purification of the soul in a way which is based on mere opinion or taste or kashf. Kashf is the belief that a person can reach a stage in his righteousness and in his piety where things become, un where things become revealed to him. The inner knowledge and inner insight of the soul and of the realities of faith the realities of Iman become uh, exposed to him and become unveiled based upon his own opinions, based upon his own tastes, based upon his own, him exercising himself. And this is the, this is the bid'ah, the innovation of the Sufiya. This is the innovation of the Sufis. This kalam speaking about purification of the soul Purification of the soul is in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah. Speaking about purification of the soul based upon opinion and philosophy and based upon taste and innovated practices, then this is also not knowledge. No matter how pious and no matter how insightful those people appear to be to some people, they were not accepted by the Salaf. And their innovation, their ideas started in the time of the Salaf. They started in the time that came, uh, the time of the Tabi'een or just after that time. And in the time, in the era of the great Imams, like the four Imams, Al-Imam Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik, Imam Ahmad, 
Imam al-Shafi'i, in their time, the beginnings and, and just before that, the, 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 the roots, the beginnings of this innovated Sufism started to appear and they clamped down on it. And they clamped down on it. And they did not regard it as knowledge. Rather, they regarded, regarded it as an innovation, a bid'ah. And they regarded it as a means to heresy and misguidance. So this is another form of bid'ah which was innovated and which, uh, which began to appear in the time of the Imams of Islam. And they, and they rebuked it. In the same way that they rebuked speaking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge and speaking about Allah based upon philosophy and opinion, instead of sticking to what is in the Quran and the Sunnah, they also rebuked speaking about the nafs, speaking about the soul and purifying the soul and becoming righteous and becoming pious and az-zuhd, abstaining and abstinence, piety from the allurements of this world and all such types of things like the asceticism and these matters, they rebuked speaking about the, these affairs without knowledge and without relying upon the Quran and the Sunnah because again the Quran and the Sunnah covers everything in it is guidance for everything and the Sahaba were those who were best equipped to purify the souls and to be righteous and to be pious and to practice that which is loved and commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and encouraged by him in the Quran and the Sunnah as opposed to these people who began to appear and start to talk about issues of righteousness and piety and issues of the heart all of which are important issues but have already been dealt with and have already been explained in the best way in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in the best example and that is the example of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he was the best of the righteous and the pious and he showed us the conduct and he showed us the way to purify our hearts. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in the Quran, he told us that the messenger of Allah, one of the things that he sent the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with is to purify the hearts. وَيُزَكِّيهِمْ وَيُعَلِّمُهُمُ الْكِتَابَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala described the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that he purifies them. He causes them to grow and develop spiritually. So spiritual purification and spiritual development was already completed with the completion of Islam, the completion of the Wahi. And there was no need, just, in, just as in there is no need to rely upon philosophy and foreign ideology when speaking about Allah when knowing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then there is no need. And in fact, it can only be harmful to try to speak about one's own soul and one's own spiritual development based upon philosophies and ideologies 
which are outside of the Quran and the Sunnah, are, and in fact are taken from the Kuffar, taken from the unbelievers. The Asl, the origin of this also, is from the unbelievers, from the aesthetics and the uh, monks and the uh, uh, worshippers and the so-called holy men of the Jews and the Christians and the Indians and it is from them that the ideas of Sufism emerged not from the Quran and the Sunnah it was dressed up in the Quran and the Sunnah and it began relatively small it began as a form of exertion in worship as a form of going beyond the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ in terms of personal exertion in worship and in piety and in shunning the comforts of this worldly life, material things. It started off relatively small, but it grew until Sufism became a form of heresy in the way that it is now where the philosophies and ideologies of the kuffar were relied upon more and more and more and they developed into these kuffar beliefs that were held by the uh, worst of the and the most extreme of the sufis in later generations like ibn sina and ibn arabi and their likes and those who were before them and those who are after them who fell into shirk who felt in, who fell into greater shirk and kufr in their beliefs about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and in their description their speaking of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so they innovated and they fell eventually into wahdatul wujud believing in the unity of existence or believing in al-hulul in allah subhanahu wa ta'ala existing within his creation and coming into some of his creation and all these types of innovated and heretical beliefs. All of this started off, and there was none of this around originally when, when the Sufis first started to appear. And in fact, the previous, the original, uh, who, the original people who are known as the Mashaykh of the Sufis, the original people or the earlier ones who were around at the time when the Imams of the Tabi'een and those who came after them, the Atba'u Tabi'een, those who came after the generation, after the companions. When they first started to appear, the early ones, and this is something we should know, because this is an argument which is used to um, spread Sufism in its, in its current form with all of its heresies and all of its innovations one of the arguments which is used is that look the early you know out the, the, the sheikhs the Sufi saints that we know of and that we all agree on they were all righteous they were good people and they are from as, is, and, and as some of them claim they say they were from the salaf and in this they mix up the truth and the falsehood. Some of the Salaf 
some of the pious predecessors have been um, used, their names have been used and they have been identified by later Sufis as being from amongst them as being from amongst them when they were not when they were not and this happened every sect the sects that arose in Islam those sects that spoke about Allah, the Mu'tazila and so on and those sects of the Sufis that developed later on all of them to one extent or another claim that certain members of the early Muslims the Salaf were from amongst them or were supporters of them or were their spiritual leaders when in fact they were not and the second thing or uh, and the other thing which they use to try to justify themselves is to say uh, is to speak about people who really were involved in a form of exertion who really were involved in a form of uh, zuhd, piety and shunning of the worldly material life but in whose practices in whose practices there was a form of extremism there was a form of uh, contrast to what is in the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and to how the companions were how the sahaba were even though those people were sincere and they were righteous in themselves there was a form of contradiction or a form of extremism in their practices and so those people themselves originally if you look back at them and they are known as the mashayikh as shuyukh and the ulama some of, sometimes refer to them as the shuyukh or the mashayikh or the people of zuhd the people of piety and asceticism those people themselves used to teach that you should follow the Quran and the Sunnah even though they exerted themselves and they said things and they did things which were not strictly from the Sunnah which were not strictly in conformance to the Sunnah but they themselves were not heretics of the kind that the Sufis became later they themselves used to tell people that you must follow the Quran and the Sunnah you must base your actions upon the book and the Sunnah and so those earlier Mashaykh who are identified as the early Sufis they themselves were not upon the heresy and the shirk and the kufr that the later Sufis uh, developed into However, as soon as this type of exertion contradict, uh, contradiction to the sunnah, as soon as it arose and as soon as people started making up ideologies and theories about, uh, about uh, purification of the soul and about actions of the heart and about how to make yourself pious, as soon as that started, the imams, who were present at the time they clamped down upon it and they rebuked it and they spoke against it so these are all affairs that are innovated these are all affairs that are innovated into the religion that the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam were not upon they didn't believe in those things and they didn't practice those things whether it is al-kalam speaking about allah based upon philosophy 
or speaking about Allah's qadr, Allah's pre-decree, or speaking about issues of halal and haram based upon opinion and intellectual, uh, you know, intellectual arguments and analogies which are contradictory to the Qur'an and the Sunnah, or whether it's speaking about affairs of the heart and purification of the soul, then the Sahaba were on, on none of this. The companions of the Prophet wasallam were the superior scholars and they did not practice or believe in any of this. And the Imams who followed their way rebuked anyone who fell into any of this. And so these five or four or five issues that were innovated and introduced after the Sahaba, they are not regarded as knowledge. They are not regarded as knowledge and therefore we do not practice it or learn it and we also do not recognize it as scholarship in others. We do not recognize this as scholarship because knowledge is what came from the companions of the Prophet And each of these points, there are countless, numerous narrations from the pious predecessors and from the Imams of the past, the Salaf and the Imams who followed them, like the four Imams, Imam Ahmad, Imam Malik, Imam Shafi'i, Imam Abu Hanifa. There are statements from them and from others like them who were there at that time, Imams, rebuking such innovations and such types of so-called knowledge and philosophy and ideology. And we will mention some of them as uh, by way of illustration uh, not by way of exhaustion, not 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 exhort, exhort, not to uh, you know, claim that we are going to mention everything because th there's too much recorded from them and there's too much reported from them to cover. But we will mention some examples for each of those things. For example, with regards to Al Qadr, then the Salaf recognized that speaking about Qadr. Speaking about the pre-decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and denying it or causing doubt in it. This came from the kuffar and it was imported by some deviants, possibly some uh, munafiqeen, some hypocrites who wanted to corrupt Islam and corrupt the beliefs of the Muslims. And it was imported from the Christians and it was imported from the kuffar. Al-Imam Al-Awza'i rahimahullah ta'ala said أَوَّلُ مَنْ نَطَقَ فِي الْقَدَرِ رَجُلٌ مِّنْ أَهْلِ الْإِعْرَاقِ يُقَالُ لَهُ سَوْسًا كَانَ نَصْرَانِيًّا فَأَسْلَمَ ثُمَّ تَنَصَّرْ فَأَخَذَ عَنْهُ مَعْبَدَ الْجُهَنِي وَأَخَذَ غَيْلَانٌ أَمْ مَعْبَدٌ Al-Imam Al-Awza'i rahimahullah, the great imam and scholar, said the first one to speak about Al-Qadr was a man from the people of Iraq whose name was Sousan or who was called Sousan. He was a Christian and then he became a Muslim. He accepted Islam and then he became a Christian again. And from him Ma'bad al-Juhani and Ma'bad al-Juhani took this idea about speaking about Qadr. And from him took Ghailan uh, so these were two individuals who were part of the origin of the sects of the Mu'tazila and the Qadariyya. 
those who denied Allah's pre-decree and who fell into kufr and shirk because of their statements about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's decree and predestination. They took it from a man whose name was Sosan, who was a Christian in Iraq, and he became a Muslim. And then he reverted back to Christianity and he left the Muslims, but before, but not before poisoning the mind of Ma'bad al-Juhani, who took from him and from him Ghailan al-Dimishqi, and they formed the original Mu'tazila and Qadariya. Likewise, with regards to Al-Kalam, Sufyan al-Thawri, al-Imam, Sufyan al-Thawri, rahimahullah, who died in the year 126 after the Hijrah, he was asked about Al-Kalam. He was asked about this theology, this intellectual theology, which was innovated in the time of the Imams. He was asked about Al-Kalam and he said, Da'il Ba'til, Da'il Ba'til, Aina anta anil haq wa He said, leave that which is false. Leave it. Abandon that which is false, al-batil. So he called al-kalam batil. He said, where are you from the haq? Where are you from the truth? Follow the sunnah and leave that which is batil. As for al-imam Malik, rahimahullah, then his statements are numerous. In fact, he identified bid'ah, he identified innovation as al-kalam. He said, rahimahullah ta'ala, as is authentically, uh, as is reported uh, from him by nu in numerous sources, as is reported from him in numerous sources, he said, one day when warning against bid'ah, he said, Iyakum wal bid'ah. He said, beware of innovation in religion. Beware of heresy and innovation into religion. So he was asked, Ya Aba Abdullah, wa mal bid'ah? And what are this, what, what is bid'ah? What are these innovations? He said, Ahlul bid'ah alladhina yatakallamuna fi asma'illahi wa sifatihi wa kalamihi wa ilmihi wa kudratihi وَلَا يَسْكُتُونَ عَمَّا سَكَتَ عَنْهُ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعُونَ لَهُمْ بِإِحْسَانِ He identified these innovations that he was warning against when he was asked, Ya Aba Abdullah, O Abu Abdullah, that was his kunya, O Abu Abdullah, what are these bid'ah? What are these innovations? He said, the people of bid'ah, the people of innovation, those who speak about the names of Allah and His attributes. And about his speech, what Allah spoke and what he says, uh, uh, the kalam of Allah, and his knowledge and his qudra, his power. And they, do, and they are not silent, they do not withhold, and they are not silent from that which the companions, the sahaba and the tabi'un, those who followed the sahaba, were silent about. Meaning they don't stop where the sahaba and the tabi'un didn't speak about the affairs, these affairs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and describing Allah. They say, they say that which the Sahaba didn't say. And they don't stop where the Sahaba stopped. They go into it more. And they try to speak more 
uh, deeply about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and his names and attributes and this is the kalam that he identified as the bid'ah and he and he explained the danger of this kalam when he said rahimahullah imam malik again he said man talaba ad-deen bil kalam tazandaq wa man talaba al-mal bil kimiya aflas wa man talaba gharib al-hadith kadhab he said whoever seeks the religion with kalam will become a heretic he will fall into heresy zandaqa and whoever seeks wealth with alchemy will become bankrupt and whoever seeks gharib al hadith whoever seeks strange and rare hadith will end up lying man talab al din bil kalam tazandaq whoever seeks the religion with kalam will fall into zandaqa which is heresy which leads to relieving the religion and apostasy and in, to some people to some scholars it is synonymous with apostasy or it is the stage just before apostasy when a person becomes a full on deviant man talab ad-din whoever seeks the religion through kalam will fall into heresy and whoever tries to get, gather wealth or whoever tries to seek wealth with alchemy because at that time you know amongst the things that became that be, that were imported into the muslim ummah uh, alongside the philosophy of the kuffar was alchemy which is the attempt which as you know is the attempt to turn the attempt the use of chemistry and so on to try to turn some metals into gold this is known as alchemia in arabic or alchemy in english so he said whoever tries to gather wealth through uh, alchemy will become bankrupt because it doesn't work it's a foolish endeavor you'll spend your wealth trying to turn metals into gold wa man talaba gharib al hadith kadhab and whoever tries to seek out all the strange and rare hadith that are narrated by the narrators of hadith then he's going to end up saying things which are lies likewise he was asked once about some affairs to do with the quran and he noticed that the way the person asking him was speaking it was as if this person had some false ideologies or he had some doubts which he'd been affected with from these foreign ideologies al kalam and so on so he so a man asked him about the quran so al malik malik rahimahullah imam malik said to him la'allaka min ashabi amr ibn ubaid la'ana allah amran fa innahu ibtada'a hadhihi al bid'ah min al kalam walaw kana al kalam ilman latakallama fihi as sahabatu wa tabi'una kama takallamu fi al ahkam wa shara'i walakinnahu batil yadullu ala batil malik rahimahullah was asked by a man about the quran he said to him perhaps you are from the companions of amr ibn ubaid who's amr ibn ubaid amr ibn ubaid is the source is the founder of the mu'tazila he's the first 
of the Mu'tazila sect who started to speak uh, about the affairs of Allah, about the affairs of Allah's names and attributes in this innovative way using kalam and using opinion and innovation. And he was a Qadari, one of those who denied Qadr. And he was also known as a great aesthetic. He was seen by some as being very pious and they were fooled by his outward piety and his ibadah to, to such a degree that some of the rulers of the Muslims at that time were duped by him into thinking that he was a pious, aesthetic, abid, zahid. Al-Dhahabi describes him, he said, Al-Zahid al-Abid al-Qadari kabiru al-Mu'tazila wa awwaluhum Abu Uthman al-Basri. He is the aesthetic, the worshipper, the Qadari, the one who denied Qadar, meaning from the Qadariya sect. Kabir al-Mu'tazila, the leader or the great, uh, the great one amongst the Mu'tazila, and the first of them, Abu Uthman al-Basri. So Imam Malik was asked by a man about the Qur'an and he said to this man, you seem like you are from the companions of Amr ibn Ubaid. Allah Allah's curse be upon Amr. He's the one who innovated, introduced these innovations, these bid'ah of al-kalam. Then he said, Rahimahullah, وَلَوْ كَانَ الْكَلَامُ عِلْمًا And if al-kalam was knowledge, لَتَكَلَّمَ فِيهِ الصَّحَابَةِ وَالتَّابِعُونَ If it was knowledge, then the companions and the tabi'oon would have spoken about it and would have spoken it. They would have uttered it. Just like they spoke about the rules and regulations of Islam and the laws of Islam. However, it is batil, it is false and wrong. يَدُلُّ عَلَى بَاطِلْ And it points to that which is false and wrong. It is itself false and it leads to that which is false. Because it leads to wrong beliefs about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the unseen. And to finish today, we have the example also of Imam al-Shafi. As I said, when it comes to Imam Malik, there are many statements of Imam Malik that rebuke and refute al-kalam. As for Imam al-Shafi'i, then also the same, rahimahullah, and Imam Ahmad, his position is well known, and his sacrifices that he made in defending Islam against kalam are well known in history. And Imam al-Shafi'i expressed very clearly and explicitly his hukum, his ruling on those who follow al-kalam. He said, Rahimahullah, Hukmi fi ashab al-kalami an yudrabu bil jarid, wa yuhmalu ala al-ibil, wa yutafu bihim fi al-asha'iri wal qaba'il, wa yunada alayhim hada jaza'u man taraka al-kitaba wa sunnata wa akhada fi al-kalam. Imam al-Shafi'i rahimahullah said, My hukum, my ruling, my ruling, my fatwa with regards to ashabul kalam, those who follow al-kalam, is that they should be lashed with the date, uh, date palm branches, meaning al-jarid, 
Al-Jarid is the long branch of a date palm tree when the leaves are stripped off it. So it becomes like a whip. And it is used as part of corporal punishment and uh, by way of uh, when somebody is lashed as a criminal. It was used at that time and it's still used. Hukmi fi ashab al-kalam My ruling with regards to the people of kalam is that they should be struck or they should be lashed bil jarid with the jarid, the date palm branches. Wa yuhmalu ala al-ibl And they should be carried upon the backs of, 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 of the camels and they should be circulated and make an, made an example of they should be marched around the uh, the um, neighborhoods and the tribes and it should be called out this is the this is the recompense this is the reward for one who leaves the book and the sunnah and takes to al kalam so that's imam al shafi and there are other statements from him like he said once when he heard when he first started to hear some of the people who started speaking with Al-Kalam he once said to one of his companions لَقَدِ اطَّلَعْتُ مِنْ أَهْلِ الْكَلَامِ عَلَى شَيْءٍ وَاللَّهِ مَا تَوَهَّمْتُهُ قَدْ he said I have come upon from the people of Kalam that which I would never wallahi by Allah would have imagined that they would say or anyone would say and for a person to be for a person to be tried with every sin that Allah has forbidden apart from a shirk billah is better for him than to be tried with al-kalam to be tested with falling into this kalam meaning to do any sin to fall into any kind of sin that you can imagine that Allah has forbidden apart from a shirk is better for a person than to fall into al-kalam to fall into the sin of al-kalam and we know that Imam Ahmad we know his position and his statements are more famous than need to be mentioned he mentioned as is related from him and is expressed by him in his usul al-sunnah his principles of the sunnah which have been reported authentically from him his beliefs and what he what he told told the people to believe in and he mentions amongst that rejecting all bid'ah staying and following that which the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam were upon and following them and leaving all innovations and and arguments and discussions about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and about matters of the of the religion. He said, Usulu Sunnati Indana at Tamasuk Bimakana Alihi Ashabu Rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam waliqtida ubihim. The foundations of the Sunnah with us are to adhere strictly to what were the, the Sahaba, the companions of Allah's Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam were upon and to follow them in that وَتَرْكُ bidah and to leave all innovations وَكُلُّ bid'atin فَهِيَ ضَلَالَ and every innovation is misguidance and error and going astray وَتَرْكُ الْخُصُومَاتِ and to leave argumentation in the religion 
والجلوس مع أصحاب الأحواء and to leave sitting and not to sit with the people of desires and the people of innovation وترك المراء والجدال والخصومات في الدين and to leave arguing and disputing in the religion about the religion until he said لا تخاصم أحدا do not argue and do not debate anyone in the religion ولا تتعلم الجدال and do not learn this type of argumentation about the religion meaning as he said فَإِنَّ الْكَلَامِ فِي الْقَدْرِ وَالرُّؤْيَا وَالْقُرْآنِ وَغَيْرَهَا وَغَيْرِهَا مِنَ السُّنَنِ مَكْرُوهٌ مَنْهِيٌ عَنْهُ he said because الْكَلَامِ with regards to al-qadr and the seeing al-ru'ya seeing Allah and the Quran and other matters from amongst the sunan these are all sunan sunan in the widest sense in the original sense as being that which the Prophet came with from Allah including the beliefs and the things that we should believe in amongst the imams they started to call these things sunan sunnas because the people of Sunnah stuck to the correct belief with regards to these things and the people of Bid'ah they departed and they started to speak about these matters of Aqeedah speak about these matters of belief in the wrong way and so they were identified as Sunan so he said and other Sunan meaning speaking about Allah speaking about Allah's Qadr speaking about seeing Allah and his names and his attributes seeing uh, and speaking about Allah's Quran his words and, and the, the speech of Allah and the Qur'an which he revealed all of this is from the Sunan all of this is from the Sunan the plural of Sunnah this is the original meaning or one of the early meanings of the word Sunnah do not learn argumentation فَإِنَّ الْكَلَامِ فِي الْقَدْرِ وَالرُّؤْيَةِ وَالْقُرْآنِ وَغَيْرِهَا مِنَ السُنَنِ مَكْرُوهٌ مَنْهِيٌ عَنْهُ he said, because Al-Kalam, speaking about Al-Qadr in this way, and speaking about seeing Allah, and speaking about the Qur'an, and other such sunan, is hated and forbidden. لا يكون صاحبه إن أصاب بكلامه السنة من أهل السنة حتى يدع الجدال He said, a person who delves into these affairs, speaking about them with Al-Kalam and speaking about them in this innovative manner, even if he happens to correspond to that which is correct from the Sunnah in his speech, he is not from Ahl Sunnah until he leaves off this disputation and this argumentation about the religion. Even if he ends up saying that which is correct. Even if he happens to say that which corresponds with the sunnah in these matters, he is not from Ahlul Sunnah until he leaves disputation and speaking about the religion in this manner. This is with regards to Ahlul, uh, this is with regards to Al-Kalam. This is with regards to Al-Kalam. As for the rest of the points that we mentioned, the other things which have been innovated into the religion, we'll look at them in the forthcoming class, bi'idhnillahi ta'ala, because we are well out of time. أَقُولُ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهِ لِي وَلَكُمْ وَاللَّهُ تَعَالَ عَالَمْ وَصَلَّى اللَّهُ وَسَلَّمَ عَلَى نَبِيْنَ مُحَمَّدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَصَحْبِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله